Beef Watch Podcast. I'm Aaron Berger, a Nebraska Extension Beef Educator. For today's Beef Watch Podcast, we will be discussing an article titled Value Added Fed and Feeder Cattle Prices. Are they paying? This can be found in the March issue of the Beef Watch newsletter. To discuss this article, I'm joined today by the author, Dr. Elliot Dennis, who's the Livestock Marketing Economist with the University of Nebraska. Thanks for joining me today, Dr. Dennis. Yeah, thanks, Aaron. Thanks for having me. Well, the focus of the article that you wrote is really understanding some of the value-added programs that are available to beef producers today. There's several different types of value-added programs out there. One of the examples of a value-added program would be the perceived premium that's out there, or actually the real premium, I should say, for cattle that meet some quality-grade specifications like Prime. Uh, That would be a premium for those cattle as compared to those that grade choice. There's some other premiums in the marketplace as well for cattle that are differentiated based on non-hormone treated or antibiotic free. Those are things that don't really impact meat quality necessarily, but because of the production practices, at times premiums are paid for those. Give us some perspective on some of the premiums that are in the market today, how that is driving the market, and maybe where there might be some opportunities for producers who have an interest in these programs to take advantage of them. Yeah, thanks, Aaron. So I think there's two ways that we see those premiums being paid. First, we have the the packing plant premiums, and this is on the the carcass weight, as you're kind of saying. Really, when we look at it compared to prime products, these other alternative, all-natural, non-hormone-treated cattle premiums are actually fairly consistent, positive, and what we'd say they're year or week over week, they seem to be increasing. Whereas when we look at it in relative to the different yield grade qualities, such as brine products, which tends to be a bit more variable. Kind of give you an example, cab premiums over the last 10 years have been roughly 3 to $5 more on a per carcass weight, on a dollars per hundred weight. Since August 2016, the USDA started reporting um, some of these alternative production practice premiums. Non-hormone treating cattle over this time have averaged about $20 per hundredweight, and all-natural premiums have been valued about $25 per hundredweight. But those premiums do vary month to month. And just to clarify, those are on a price per hundredweight basis on a carcass basis or on a live weight basis? On a carcass, carcass weight basis on a dollars per hundredweight. So you were saying that you're seeing around a $3.5 per hundredweight premium for cattle that fall in the CAB, Certified Angus Beef, category. But on some of these NHTC cattle or antibiotic-free, we're looking at $20 and $25 per hundredweight premiums. Is that correct? Yeah, that's, that's correct. And really, we're looking at potentially changing production practices or looking to have value added. Another thing, we, we want to look at what's that average value we're seeing over a time period, but we also want to look at how stable is that premium. So if that premium's jumping up and down a lot, then it's, it's more, viewed as more risky to change production practices. So with NHTC and All Natural, what we really see is that the premium is very stable. All Natural tends to be a little bit more unstable than NHTC, but NHTC in particular is very consistent and stable over time, at least what we've seen since 2016 when they first started reporting these. So obviously, when we give up some of the technology that's involved with meeting one of the specifications for these programs, where it be non-homework treated or all-natural, 
we're going to probably expect also lesser cattle performance, increased cost in getting those cattle to harvest. How should producers think about that as they think about the possibility of looking at one of these programs and beginning to maybe tailor cattle towards them? Yeah, I think this is just an additional way that producers can potentially add income. And I, and I think you're absolutely right. Before we start going, changing production practices, we really need to sit down and pencil it out. For example, NHTC cattle and non-hormone, we have to start recognizing we can't use implants. How much are we gaining uh, on performance because of implants? Looking at how much longer, in particular, they need to be held out on feed. And then really start to back in the price of, okay, what does this look like on performance? What does this look like feed costs? And then really start to look at these premiums and say, does it pay? And in the Beef Watch article, I don't go into that because every producer is different on the type of their cost structure. But before we do that, absolutely, it would be recommended to sit down with your nutritionist or a veterinarian, just kind of go over that. As we think about even backing up further, we're talking about fed cattle, obviously, and the value of these cattle at harvest, depending on which program they've been in. But let's take a step further back and think about feeder cattle coming to an auction barn or a, a video auction. What are the premiums there paid for NHTC cattle or all-natural cattle? Are they significant? How does that differ? Yeah, that's, that's a good point because when we're looking at, okay, they we need to have supply going into the to the feedlot in order for the premiums to be there for at, on the back end. And really, uh, some ag economists uh, a few years back did some research on the Western Video Livestock Auction. And they looked at these value-added premiums from 2004 to 2013. And really what they were trying to see is, do these alternative production practices pay? Do we see those premiums being passed down to cow-calf producers? And what they did is they divided up cattle going through the video market in between calves, which weighed between about 500 and 625 pounds, and yearlings, 750 to 925 pounds. And what they found for, in particular, for let's just focus on natural, is from 2004 to 2013, on average, natural programs paid about $1.43 per hundredweight on a live weight basis. Yearlings for that same program paid about $2.98 um, per hundredweight. And so we would expect higher premiums for natural cattle that are yearlings because a lot of the BRD issues are, have been handled, uh, particularly in the all-natural program. It, it's no hormone, no antibiotics. So premiums are still there for calves, but even larger if we're able to bring them through the production a little bit longer and sell them as yearlings. So I guess as people think about how can they add value to cattle, how can they capture more value from what they produce, really it comes down to a, a cost-benefit analysis, as you said, and looking at what do I give up if I enter into or participate in one of these programs in terms of the technology that would be available to me, and then what's the premiums and how do those compare to one another, and then probably also just thinking about what's my production system and if I should have the need or have the want to give up one of these technology, what does that maybe cost me or what do I give up? So those are things to really think through and evaluate, I think, as we look at the option of pursuing one of these specialty programs. Absolutely. I would agree with everything that you said. It's just another tool in our toolbox to say, what are some ways that we can add value? 
Um, just like when we're going to the auction bar and making sure we have uniform locks, that they're healthy, we know that those premiums are there. This is just one of those alternative premiums that just don't necessarily have to do with the, the way the cattle are, but just how they were raised. But as, as you said, Aaron, we're giving something up by raising them like this. And so really kind of seeing that premium and backing back in each operation, looking at it and saying, does this make sense for me to change, potentially change some production practices? Anything else you think producers should be aware of as they consider these programs and, and work through the process of evaluating whether or not to engage and pursue one of them? Yeah, just the last thing is recognize that these premiums serve a domestic and an international market. And a lot of these cattle that are either NHTC or all natural aren't necessarily bound for the domestic market. They're bound for the international market. As we continue on and more and more of the carcass value that we see starts to be composed of export demand, these types of production practices should continue to increase in value. So just recognizing that uh, the type of cattle that we're producing is both for the domestic consumer, but also for the international export markets. Well, I think that's a great point to highlight. I also would just probably point out that probably in most every case, if cattle are engaged in this kind of program, they're probably also individually ID'd. And so there's some trace back, there's some trace through the system that goes with these programs as well that increasingly may have value as we think about the export market. Yeah, absolutely. Well, again, for those who are interested in finding out more about the content that we talked about today, this article can be found in the March issue of the Beef Watch newsletter. Again, that's at beef.unl.edu.